You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to Episode 26 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking about digital transformation and continuous improvement with Dan Stauft, Director of Operational Technology at Sugar Creek, the largest private label bacon manufacturer in the U.S. The company employs more than 2,500 people at six manufacturing locations that process, assemble, package, and warehouse a variety of products, from pre-cooked and raw pork and turkey bacon to sausage and bakery items. There's a lot of moving parts to optimize, and Dan certainly has the chops when it comes to engineering productive process control and data management solutions. After spending over 20 years in the automotive manufacturing industry, Dan joined Sugar Creek eight years ago, where he leads the OT side of the corporate continuous improvement team. Dan's group is responsible for bringing relevant, actionable data from the plant floor to managers and operators in a format that enables effective decision-making and problem-solving. Dan frequently teams up with Craig Langhals, Senior Director of Manufacturing Optimization at Sugar Creek, to share their expertise at the Food Processing Supplier Association's Process Expo and other events, as well as at industry forums hosted by ARC Advisory Group, a leading technology research and advisory firm. Today, I'm happy to pick the brain of one half of this dynamic duo about the do's and don'ts of creating a sustainable performance system in a meat manufacturing plant in the age of digital transformation. Thank you, Julie. I love the opportunity to you know help others you know learn from what we've learned. Well, you know, let's. I'm going to start this conversation today with this current event that's on everyone's mind. You know, given the current heightened concerns over cybersecurity, do you have any advice or tips on how meat processors or the supply chain in general can strengthen or be more confident about data security? One of the biggest issues that we came up with when everyone went to remote was how do you remote? In the old days, you used to be able to plug directly into a machine and just call into it, and that's not secure. And then they came up with solutions to where you could, you know, remote desktop into a machine, and that's kind of secure. But a lot of it depends on your network security, right? So what we've done, which is pretty solid, and I think it's among the easiest ways to do it. So if I've got a machine on the floor, I've got a supplier, let's say in Germany that needs to get into it. The Germans can't fly in because of COVID, so we can't get somebody directly you know, on site. We give them a virtual machine that sits on our network that only connects to their physical machine, and they can remote into our virtual machine and then connect to the physical machine but all the files are on the virtual machine. They can't actually transfer anything. So we can't get malware. We can't get any of the problems. It's a two-step process. And a lot of companies over the past couple of years, initially, they didn't like it because they, they want the ability to just plug directly into their machine and get what they need. But it's secure. So you know we know where the master files live. They live on this virtual machine that 
you know, I'll log into the same virtual machine that they go log into to get to it. I can't get to my machines from my house. For instance, I have to go through the same virtual machines they have to go through. Right. Are, are you guys finding that your system is gives you a lot of confidence right now? We had Cisco Advanced Services designed our network structure, and we have got an absolute rock star. His name is Michael Noon. He's our director of cloud virtualization. He's like a VMware wizard. So we know how to segment the networks and make sure that even if a bad actor gets into one of these virtual machines, they can only touch certain things because we have a micro-segmented network to where the machines that that virtual machine can connect to are very, very limited. So if something were to get out, it would not affect our entire infrastructure. It would affect one subnet. That's really interesting. You guys have been really working on optimizing all of your sort of digital transformation initiatives and programs within Sugar Creek now for quite a little while. And I want to talk to you today about a little bit about how you strengthen your existing digital transformation strategies and how do you plan for effective data collection management? We know that management and analysis is a key, but from that perspective, what is a sustainable performance system? And why should a meat processing operation have this on their must-do list, or at least their we-should-consider list? (laughs) No, it's a a must-do list. It's not a we-should-consider list. A performance system, a lot of it's based on, you know, what you're doing. You know, what we do is we manufacture raw and pre-cooked products. So there are certain metrics that everybody that manufactures raw and pre-cooked products looks at. You look at yield, you look at throughput, you look at your standards, and are your standards even right? You know, in our case, we found out over the last five years that our standards were completely wrong. Our standards were based on historical sales. They weren't based on the capability of the machines. So when you look at collecting data, and collecting data is only step one of the whole you know, sustainability process, right? You need effective data to make effective decisions, but then you need the whole decision-making arm to come in, which I'll chat about, I'm sure, later. But to get the right data, you got to figure out where your pain points are, right? Are your pain points that you're not yielding correctly? Are your pain points that you're not running enough? Are your pain points that you don't know where your pain points are? The technology these days with edge devices and all of the SCADA systems out there, there's the opportunity to collect everything. You know, we've got machines from 1982 that we collect data off of by hijacking signals off the relay. You know, they're relay logic machines. They don't have brains that we can talk to, but we can still collect the, is it running, is it not running, when's it index, when it does, doesn't index. And we can compare our true performance to our bomb performance, right? What did sales think we were going to be able to do versus what are we actually able to do? And we've got a lot of lines now that are running way faster than sales ever thought they could run. But you need to be able to break the losses down for a performance system into is the machine at the end of the day, let's say you want to make a thousand widgets and you make 900. Okay, you lost 10%. Where did the 10% come from? And OEE is the number one metric that everybody chants about, but is there a way to really 
measure that. So OE is three components. It's availability, performance, and quality. Availability is your uptime. Performance is how fast you run when you're running. Quality is your loss from a great offer, whatever perspective. You need to understand where your losses are. You might have a machine that's set up to run a 1,000 widgets a minute. And when it's running, it runs 1,200. It's flying. But it's down 20% of the time, and it's creating 15% scrap. So when you look at that, just the fact that it runs fast, you know, that's what all the manufacturers are trying to say. We can sell you this thing that will run faster than anything else. Well, that's great. Will it stay running, and will it have quality? Those are the key metrics. But then when you get the data, what do you do with it? So from a performance system standpoint, you know, step one, you need the data. Either, you know, the OE data that we collect or, you know, somebody might have a problem with giveaway. Giveaway is huge in the food manufacturing world, especially, you know, the pre-cook where you've got yield, got giveaway. You need the ability to analyze your check wire data, roll it back into what your SKU is supposed to be and figure out, you know, why do you have giveaway? Why don't you have a giveaway? There's a lot of opportunities to engage a team. Now, the issue is, who's the team? So you've got all this data, right? So we've got OEE broken down into the three compartments. We've got yields. We've got scales. But how do you fix the problem, right? It used to be that you'd have like one reliability engineer that would run around and try and fix everything that's going on. You know, and this is like the 90s. That was his job. Fix the problem. And Toyota was really good at creating a team structure for fixing problems. And they have pretty much benchmarked the put the data in front of the team, let the team address the issues. And what we found is some of the issues are stupid, simple to fix. We were looking at a packaging operation and they were running like six cycles a minute. And we're like, why are you running six? Because you're supposed to run eight. The operator goes, didn't know we were supposed to run eight. We just turn it up to eight. Done. But think about that from a throughput standpoint. That's huge. You know, a lot of it is just engaging the people on the floor. So we've got cross-functional teams that involve maintenance, quality, suppliers, or production guys, the leads on the floor, and the people on the floor. Because a lot of times, as a manager sitting up in your ivory tower, you can look down and go, why the hell isn't that working? And you go ask the lowest guy on the totem pole on that line, he'll go, well, the reason it's not working is because that damn thing hasn't worked for the last three weeks and nobody will fix it. And Well, did you tell anybody to fix it? No. It's a lot of times it's stupid simple. Well, do you have any tips on collecting and managing data then as part of this sustainable performance system in a meat processing operation? And can you give me a couple of examples of how a sustainable performance system really ensures that you're meeting production goals through improved operations? Sure. You know, data in a manufacturing world, data exists everywhere. You know, it's analysis paralysis. You've got all this data and you can't do anything with it. Data rich, information poor. You know, there's a lot of things that you hear as buzzwords about what really works. So we still, in segments of our operations, we use Excel spreadsheets that are separate at all our plants and they're a little different 
and we can't smash the data together out on it, but it's stuff that we can't collect automatically. From an automated standpoint, you want everything, you want one version of the truth. You don't want your ERP to say one thing, your Excel spreadsheet to say something else, your shift report to say something else. You want everything to come out of one place. So with our SCADA system, the majority of the relevant information goes into that. And anybody that hits the button gets exactly the same report. You know, it's not that you're doing a data dump and having somebody go, ah, that really, that didn't matter, delete from the report. Excel, I hate Excel personally. Excel is a powerful tool for doing analytics for a short term, but it's not a business system, right? You know, SQL is a business system. You know, MySQL, you know, Oracle, you know, pick your database system. Make everything go in one place and then pick a reporting platform that works out of that. Could be Power BI. That works great. It could be Crystal Reports. It could be like Ignition like we're using. But just make sure all the data gets one place. And, and the data can get there either through manual input or through automated collection. Now, obviously, we want automated collection. That's the ideal because when you do manual data input, you've got the potential for errors, especially if you don't put constraints on the fields. So let me give an example. If we have a manual data input for how much does this weigh? And it says pounds, but the guy might put in tons. You know, instead of 4,000 pounds, it's two. Well, if you don't have in a manual data system, if you don't have limits on what you would expect and throw flags before they input it, then you're going to get bad data in the system. The only thing worse than no data is bad data. Well, you know, so let's talk a little bit about the opportunities and watch outs for data management, you know, as part of an industry 4.0 initiative in a mean processing operation. Like, so what are your top line do's and don'ts advice when it comes to managing data so that it is meaningful for the operation in terms of achieving its performance goals? Interesting question. So, Step one, figure out what data points are key to what you're trying to fix. In some companies, they don't need to fix performance. They're running, you know, lights out, but they've got a giveaway issue or they've got a quality issue. You need to figure out what data points are important. They need to figure out the best way to get that data into your system. So, for example, we've got a process that makes a crumbled product, an old packaging machine that we can't plug an Ethernet cable into and get the information. So we created at all of our plants these little data concentrator PLCs, which reach out to all the stuff that doesn't talk to us and allows us to grab signals from it. So in this particular case, the packaging machine, all we care about is the index signal. Because if we know every time it indexes, we know when it's down, we know, you know, if it's indexing slow, and then all the math and stuff happens on this little data concentrator and feeds up to our SCADA system. The problem you get into when you do manual entry, and I'm not a fan of manual entry at all, because manual entry is dependent on people to enter. So let me give an example. We've got an initiative that we just started where we're trying to track suppliers for certain products to certain lines and we're reliant on the people to pick the products you know from a drop down menu 
But if first ship leaves and the second ship doesn't pick the product, the system thinks the old product's still there. So you, you've got intrinsic risk. So the best thing you can do is automate everything, barcodes, RFID readers, you know, grab all the information you can get because manual input is the least reliable data that you can go off of. Well, is that the biggest mistake you would say that operators make in identifying the kinds of data or how they're going to collect it is that they go manual and there's error introduced? Or would you say there's another biggest mistake as far as what should you avoid, basically, that when you're trying to figure out what kind of data you want and make sure that it's not data that doesn't really provide you any insight into your process efficiencies or control? or whatever your goal is avoid manual data <laughs> yeah okay yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's with all of the technology out there we've got rfid readers on scales where a product sitting on a scale we scan the rfid we know the product attributes associated with rfid label boom it goes to a database there aren't many instances where i would think in this day and age with somebody that's got decent resources that you can't automate just about everything. And the technology is out there from a software side. It's out there from a hardware side. And you just have to figure out what are you trying to measure? What are you trying to fix? You know, when we started this process six years ago, it started out as a machine data collection system. So we wanted to look at statistical process control of cooking systems, microwave systems, stuff like that. It morphed into a manufacturing execution system, which gave us the downtime OEE and, and all that. And now it's morphed into a, we do our safety dashboards. We're creating quality dashboards. We do ship and receiving. It was something that started really small and just, yeah. yeah I mean, we were able to put little hooks into all these other processes that just allowed us to dashboard everything. You know, we can pull up everything that's going on in our plants on our phones, laptops, iPads. We got monitors. Any given time, we got 100 monitors up that, that are showing what we're doing. It's easy to do when you understand and create a project plan for what you're trying to do. Right. And, you know, that kind of brings us back to this idea when you're talking about remote work. I mean, this automation also gives opportunities for remote you know, work. And now that people are kind of plugging into that sort of machine learning environment, you know, the use of AI, all of these things that would help. So you could do remote maintenance, for example, from an operational standpoint. Yes, I know. So, you know, we're actually looking at through the COVID thing, we looked at a lot of different augmented reality solutions from a, a number of different providers. So where if you had a maintenance technician on the floor with, you know, either augmented reality glasses or a phone, you know, they could work and show a technician remotely what they're doing and get advice. And, you know, augmented reality is huge. We just got a bunch of augmented reality headsets that we're playing with. I haven't got to play with it yet, but we're starting this week to figure out where's the sweet spot for that because you need whatever software platform you pick, it's not open source. So if you pick like 
euphoria chalk, which is from PTC, your supplier needs to have euphoria chalk and you need to be on the same account. And it's not as easy as calling somebody and saying, help, you need to have a connection to where you can go help. And think, my guess is within the next two years that that is going to be huge. And I think there's probably going to be open source stuff that comes out and easier ways to connect without having to have dedicated accounts on dedicated platforms. But that's huge because, I mean, when we were playing with it, we could have a technician in Indiana with a phone say, this is what I'm looking at. What the hell does it mean? And somebody in Kansas or Ohio can go, well, that means this, do this. But they're kind of segmented at this point. So it's a little bit of a trick. We can do it internally because all of our engineers have it. But when you reach out to, you know, the suppliers in England, you know, the suppliers in Germany, they may not have it. And then you got to train them on how to use it. How important is it to get the IT and the OT teams on the same page when it comes to effective digital transformation, you know, in terms of data, the data systems, the analytics, you know, to try to ensure performance. And are there consequences if they're not on the same page? We took an approach, I don't know, about five years ago, where we created a dedicated OT team that worked with the IT team. And we, we all reported up to the CIO. And we had to set a line of demarcation, right? So at what point does IT start? And what point does OT start? So for OT, we owned everything from the plant floor up to the main IT switch. And we owned the systems that reported the data from the plant floor to the IT switch. Once you got to the IT switch, IT owned the databases that we were storing our data in, and they owned some of the reporting systems that we were using to get the data back out. Because as you know, data doesn't matter if you can't make it relevant and actionable to the end user. So, you know, we've got a a number of different IT and OT reporting processes. So, you know, IT uses SQL Server reporting services, you know, we use Ignition and Power BI, but at the end of the day, the line of demarcation needs to be understood because if an IT failure happens above the switch, we're not involved. We're impacted, obviously. We're not involved in the resolution. If a failure happens below the switch, then IT is not involved and they just throw the daggers at us and say, go fix it. We need to work together to make sure that data integrity is good. Once it gets up to the database, if the data integrity is good, you know, we can slice and dice it however you want using whatever systems you want. What excites you the most about the future of digital transformation in meat processing? What really turns on your engineer's mind? <laughs> so what excites me the most, obviously, given the last year's automation opportunities and, you know, with my automotive background, I know what you can automate. But it's a lot easier to pick up a car hood than a piece of bacon with a robot. So there are certain things that are very, very difficult to do. But you look at the automation, the machine learning opportunities, the remote learning opportunities, including like machine learning vision systems that can replace a person looking at 
you know, a row of sausage patties going out of line. And I look at automation, a lot of people look at automation and they say, well, you're replacing people. No, you're reallocating people. So if I automate a process, people aren't as good as robots for certain tasks. Repetitive tasks that have clearly defined metrics, robots can kill it. But if you put a robot in, now you need a guy that has to maintain the robot, right? So you're not replacing labor. You're just reallocating to something else. Because as you know, in, in the meat industry, you're not going to automate everything. There are so many labor jobs that can't be automated. It's just a matter of trying to get more efficient. And the more efficient you get, you know, the better your company is in profits and the more they, they can share with their employees. Take repetitive tasks that we can automate and get it off the worker's shoulders and let them go do something that's value added that we can't automate because there's plenty of stuff that we can't automate. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expert insights with our meeting pod listeners today. And listeners, you can watch one of Dan and Craig's tag team presentations on creating sustainable performance systems via ARC Advisory Group's YouTube channel. Just search with the keywords creating sustainable performance systems with Dan Stauft and Craig Langhals or ARC Industry Forum. Dan will also be a panelist for a November Process Expo session, Privacy, Security, the Cloud, and COVID, the Benefits of IIoT for Your Company, in which a panel of experts will share advances in IIoT and explain how this technology can be integrated in today's production systems for greater efficiencies without sacrificing data security. Visit myprocessexpo.com for more. You can also head over to meetingplace.com and access our technical article archives to get more smart manufacturing advice first published in our Industry 4.0 Connect newsletters. And while you're at the website, be sure to visit our magazine archives section where you'll find our August 2020 issue featuring Meeting Place's science profile Q&A with Dan, who shares his real-world insights into data-driven manufacturing and digital transformation in the meat industry. Thanks again, Dan, and I look forward to seeing you in Chicago this November at Process Expo, where I am sure to be in the front row at your session. Woo! Thanks, Julie. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.